when I feel urgency, I get excited. Because as I get urgent and I get excited, I start to see things clearly. I see the idol for what it is. You're nothing, you're evil, you have no value in my life. I see the glory of God more clearly. You're everything, you're glorious, live for you. I see the things that have no value in our lives. I see what is true. And why would I live for that when I can live for this now? Life is short, Christ is coming. Now is the time, now is the time, now is the time. Preach the gospel, live for Christ, worship him. Give him your life, give him your all because all that counts when he comes back is him as well. But this is... Amen. This, this is what perspective does. Urgency, perspective, and wisdom. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. It's a brand new week here, but we're folding in on our last message in a great series entitled The Worth of Wisdom. And today we're talking about wisdom for life. What does that mean? Well, we'll get there in a moment. But before we get there, let me remind you, you listeners, if you're uh, joining us and you'd like a copy of the entire series, maybe you've missed one or two messages, you can find them all online at liveinthelight.ca. That's live in the L I G H T dot C A. Or you can also phone us up at 1 844 22 Light. That's 1 844 22 L I G H T. Well, God's Word again, bringing us to a great message and a great truth that this wisdom that we're to cherish and to value all the days of our lives is to be ours as we hunt and seek for it fervently. Robbie, this message today is hugely important, and it's a great capstone, a a grand finale to this great series, right? We're praying so. We're praying so. And here's really the bottom line. Wisdom is not just for a week or a season. Wisdom is to be for life. You choose folly, you choose hurt, but you choose wisdom and you choose blessing. To put it succinctly, wisdom, loved ones, just works. It just flat out works because true wisdom is of God. Whenever God does, it works and it brings life. So as we end this series today, again, I urge you, I urge you, urge us, urge me, listen carefully. And maybe you wanna get this series as something just to say, I don't wanna just put this aside, forget about it. I need to walk with this each day of my life. We'd love to be able to do that for you. We'd love to be able to encourage you. And we'd love to also be able to hear how you've been encouraged through God's word in this ministry. We are here to bless the kingdom and to see people grow in Jesus Christ. It's for him, it's not for us. And so we'd love to hear from you if that is taking place specifically within series like this that are so relevant to our lives. Wisdom just works. All right, well, let's turn right away to God's message for all of us here today. And here again is Pastor Robbie. I mean, who do you need to talk to this week that you, that you know that this is a reality, that we have a huge, huge opportunity to share our message of Jesus Christ and the faith that we have of the gospel when people are looking up just long enough from their drunken stupor to say, what is this world about? What is, listen, listen God's elect are out there. They are waiting to hear the message. They're waiting for someone with beautiful feet to come up to them and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. 
This is our opportunity right now. There's an urgency that we need to consider right now and to spread this and to use this to the advantage of the glory, <coughs> the glory of God. The Bible promises among all the hard things that are going on, the Bible also promises the gospel will be proclaimed to all nations. That's the exciting part in the midst of the unstable parts. Look at verse 10 now. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord, and this is what we need. You see, it comes back to the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Now, I love God's word. I love how it weaves a beautiful thread through his pages. And once again, look here, the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom. Wisdom leads to life. Fear God, find wisdom, find life. In Proverbs four times, the fear of the Lord is directly related to either giving life or is life itself. This is what we need to be used of God right now. Proverbs 10, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. The wicked will be cut short. Next verse, Proverbs 14, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord gives us wisdom, gives us, gives us life, gives us boldness in this. Here's the next verse. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests satisfied. What a promise that is and will not be visited by harm because your life is secure in the Lord and in Jesus Christ. And here's the next verse here, Proverbs 22. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and tell me, tell me, life and life. The fear of the Lord is what leads to life. And so again, I wanna share my heart with you today because I've been feeling and sensing a great urgency upon my life. My wife, Jill, will tell you that for sure. I'm talking and thinking and praying about our days a lot because loved ones, I mean, again, the things I just mentioned globally, you gotta look up and long enough to look around and just, it's just like, wake up, wise up. Like, like, like there's, it's hard to find a reason to not be urgent today. There's so much going on in gaining perspective. We gotta be ready and for it to change our desires and to live with that urgency that matters with wisdom for the gospel. I was talking to a good friend this week and he works for a big company downtown Toronto and, and he told me, he's like, I have a mandatory work at home day today. And I was like, a mandatory work at home? What's up with that? Why would they do that? He says, well, it's the business continuity department. There's this whole department set aside to plan for disasters that might hit the world and hit the city or hit the nation or whatever. And so what they want to do, the, the company set up all these, all these design and parameters to make sure that their employees, if they had to stay at home, they could still get the work done and the company could still function in light of disasters and evil and whatever it might be. That's amazing. I said, wow, whole department set aside for this? He's like, yep. And I'm like, so the world is waking up to the reality of what's happening. The world is aware that these times are not normal. And there, there, there's a sense, loved ones, there's, there's an urgency even in our world. If we don't feel it, what's wrong with us? Come on, right? If we don't sense this, if we're not waking up, I mean, that, 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 that's a tragedy. Look around and just notice what's happening. Are we prepared? And so the urgency then, what it does for me, when I feel urgency, I get excited. Because as I get urgent and I get excited, I start to see things clearly. I see the idol for what it is. You're nothing, you're evil, you have no value in my life. I see the glory of God more clearly. You're everything, you're glorious, live for you. I see the things that have no value in our lives. I see what is true. And why would I live for that when I can live for this now? Life is short, Christ is coming. Now is the time, now is the time, now is the time. Preach the gospel, live for Christ, worship him. Give him your life, give him your all because all that counts when he comes back is him as well. 
But this is, amen. This, this is what perspective does. Urgency, perspective, and wisdom. And when wisdom comes into my life and heart, everything simplifies. Because all of a sudden, all the details don't really matter. All of a sudden, it's like, what is most important? What am I living for? And what God has done in my heart in the last month or so, he's given me five things I'm praying for on a frequent, frequent basis based on wisdom and simplicity. Because when I do these things, I know I'm in God's will. I want to share them with you just as pastor right now. I want to share my heart with you, whether they're hopefully helpful to you, but just to let you know where I'm at, the things I'm praying for. I believe if we pray for these things, they're very simple. We pray for these things as a church. Look out. Look out, Satan. Look out. Those who oppose, look out because the light is going to shine. So here's what I'm praying for in my life, and I just want to encourage you with these. They're really simple. First one is this, Lord, give me a burden for prayer. I've been burdened to pray for prayer. I've been praying this a lot recently. Lord, I, wanna, I want you, because here's the thing. I could try to fire you up in prayer for a couple of minutes and stuff, but the reality is, if it's not of God, it will only last for a couple of minutes. But if we pray for prayer, and God, would you, would you in me burden me with a sense of prayer? Every morning I get up, man, first thing, like for my feet hit the floor, knees hit the ground. I, God, give me a burden for prayer. Give me a heart for prayer. Give me a heart for prayer. Give me a heart for prayer. And as he does it in us, then what happens, man? Then him in us, we start to see and a desire to pray. I'm, I, I want to warn you too, I'm specifically praying for prayerers in our church as much as ever, that God would call men and women and children specifically to pray with a burden to seek the Lord during services, before services, in our church. That's not convincing that you would be compelled by the Spirit. I know it's happening too. I've already talked to some. God is compelling. Because listen, listen, in our crazy times, we got nothing apart from Jesus Christ. We can do nothing. This is when prayer becomes then everything. I'm praying about prayer. I encourage you to do that. And when it starts to be answered, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. We're all of a sudden, like, wow, I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to grab my wife's hand. I want to, I want to get on my knees. I want to get by my side. I want to seek the Lord. It's, it's awesome. A burden for prayer. Here's the second thing I'm praying for. Lord, give me, a, give me a hunger for your word. So simple. Why so important? Well, in the midst of evil, in the midst of foolishness, what puts us in the right place? The word of God. There is no message today on wisdom apart from God's word. So God's word becomes everything. Now, there have been times in my life where I've been so hungry for God's word, I couldn't wait to go to bed. I'm a morning person, big time, okay, not a night person. I couldn't wait to go to bed because I couldn't wait to wake up and feed on God's word. Now, I'm not there right now, but I'm getting closer, okay? I'm getting closer because I'm praying this prayer right? Where you so desire, because you know, you know this book. You know this book is life. You know it's what God gives to us, and you believe it, and so your theology is so crystal clear, and you approach it, and you're like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Give me a hunger for your word, and you start hungering for his word. Wisdom comes from his word. That's what allows us to discern and distinguishing good and evil and go through our day. I mean, your hunger for prayer and your hunger for word, and you combine those two together, reading the word and prayer. What a deal. Amen? That's awesome. Pray these prayers, look out, it might actually start happening. It might start happening. Here's the third thing I'm praying for. Lord, give me, a, give me a greater love for you. Give me a greater love for you. Why? It's the greatest commandment for a reason. And when you are filled with the love for the Lord and you ask him, this is what's so awesome. When you love Jesus Christ, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you love the Lord with all that you are. It's so fantastic where you're so focused and filled with his love, you genuinely don't care when you become less. It's so foreign to us because so often we love self so much that we just, you, you can't say it against me. You can't criticize me. You can't do this. But when you're so obsessed with the love of God and you just see your identity in the gospel in him, this is, this is so powerful. Okay, listen, listen, listen. This, this changed your life right here. 
when your full identity is in Jesus Christ, you care not what anyone else thinks of you because your full satisfaction is in Jesus Christ. When you understand it's what he thinks of you, then you're like, I don't care what you think of me because I know what Christ thinks of me. He loves me. I'm his child. I'm going to heaven, man. I'm, I'm a shepherd. I'm a sheep belonging to the good shepherd. And I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. Wow, I'm special because Jesus Christ has set me apart for his purpose. When you see your identity is in him, you're not looking for for the approval of man, because you already have the approval of God. Awesome. And when you love the Lord in that way, this is what happens. Give me a greater love for you, God. And when, and then genuinely you love him so much, you just, whatever happens, you're, you're good because you can't be bothered to deal with all the other foolish things that go on in life. Give me a hunger. Give me a greater love for you. Listen to this. Lord, give me a, give me a love for your church. Give me a love for your church. I want, I'm praying for a greater love for other churches, praying greater love for other pastors, praying for a greater love for his bride, you, for this church. I just, Lord, I wanna love your church. Why? Because you love your church, God. Because Jesus Christ, you died for your church. I wanna love your church. I wanna love you. I, I wanna love, I, I'm praying for this, that you selflessly walk into this building and just wanna give yourself, whether through preaching or through leading or whatever, or the way that you do, just genuinely want to see and give of self. See, when God does that in you, man, naturally it comes out and the fruit of the spirit is love. Awesome. Give me a love for your, for your church. And then fifthly, Lord, give me a love for the lost. Give me a burden for those who are right now dying without Jesus Christ. There are millions and millions and millions and millions. God, would you burden me with a sense of urgency for what's really happening, that people are on their way to death and hell apart from God. God, would you give me a love for the lost? See, wisdom begins to formulate some simple prayers for maximum efficiency and fruitfulness in the Lord Jesus Christ with the time that we have. I'm telling you, we start praying these prayers together. I mean, you, you can add so many prayers to this, but you start praying these prayers and good things will start to happen. And that's pretty exciting. That's where your pastor's at right now, man, because the way of wisdom is the way of life and the urgency and the importance of this right now. Listen, wisdom is building a house of blessing. Jump in. She's saying, come, eat my bread, drink of the wine. Do not reject the invitation. Get to her house, man. You get to wisdom's house, you get to God's house. So that's the good news. But here comes the bad news, all right? The bad news is this, the way of number two, the way of folly is the way of death. The way of folly. So the way of wisdom is the way of life, but the way of folly is the way of death. And now what happens as we go to verse 13 now we see woman folly speaking out, competing with woman wisdom. Look at verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Here she says, again, identical to verse four. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, and now notice her message now is nothing like wisdom's. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She's dishonest, she's deceptive, she's seductive. In verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So the rivalry is clear. The competing voice is being heard. But notice right away what we learn about folly. The Bible tells us that folly is loud. She is noisy, she is loud, she never stops talking, she's obnoxious, she's arrogant, she's full of self-interest. Here's a tip, don't be like that. Don't be like that, it's foolishness. The wisdom or folly, the woman folly, she is 
She is loud. Now, I read this this week from Matthew Henry in his commentary, and I like the sentence or this paragraph so much, I wanted to share it with you because here's what he says in regards to woman folly. Matthew Henry, like 400 years ago, this is amazing. He says, carnal sensual pleasure I take to be especially meant by this foolish woman. So he's like, the foolish woman can be best seen in carnal sensual pleasure. He says, for that is the great enemy to virtue. The great enemy of virtue in Christ and for Christ is carnal, sensual pleasure. See, the world revolves around carnal, sensual pleasure. Always trying to engage us in idolatry and carnal means, sensual means, and self-pleasure. He says, it's the enemy to virtue and the inlet to vice. It's where we get caught up in habits that ruin us and destroy us, that defiles and debauches the mind. You wanna ruin your mind? Just walk down the path of foolishness. You want to wreck the ways in your life? You want to see anti-Christ things or anti-fruit? Then just go in foolishness. It will defile and debauch your mind. It will stupefy your conscience, kind of blow your conscience in a bad way and put out the sparks of conviction. See, wisdom gives us conviction in Christ. So I'm going through the wisdom series and I got conviction stacking up in my life. I'm like, yeah, it's right. It's awesome. God's way is so sure and it's so pure. And I'm as convinced as ever as to following Christ and his ways are right and the blessing that is found there. And I hate foolishness, but foolishness takes water and pours it on the fire for Christ. It put out the sparks of conviction more than anything else. Carnal, sensual pleasure. It's good. And I agree with Matthew Henry's understanding of this. The way of folly is loud. And notice what verse 13 says. It says that she is seductive and knows nothing. How's that for a resume? What do you know? I know nothing. Oh, Notice this, but folly talks such a big game, right? See, this is our world. Talk such a big game. Such a big game. Promising everything, delivering nothing. Because folly knows nothing. Nothing of any moral value. Notice it says she's seductive. So, so woman folly, though, she's clever in this sense. She'll try to ring you in. She seduces you with her lies and sucks you in and is often quite successful. But in the end, one commentator said this, woman folly, she is so ignorant that she is not even aware of her ignorance. She is so, that's our world, that's our world, is so ignorant, she is not even aware of her ignorance. That is our world. Billions and billions of people through false religions, through false systems of philosophy, through false gods of idolatry, they are literally, they are walking the plank of death and they know it not. They're walking this plank of death. They think, hey, this is great, man, this is amazing. Some people are being taught, if I go kill people in the name of my religion, I'll end up with all these virgins in heaven and everything will be ecstasy. Walking a plank of destruction and know it not. People walking through life, man, oh, life's so great, I just live for self, get more money, do this or another, and they're walking a plank of death, but they're so ignorant. That's what foolishness does. They're so blind to this reality. They have no idea what waits them as they step off the edge of this plank is separation from God and death and utter destruction and the most horrific thing they could ever think of, but they have no idea because they're so blind in their ignorance with pride and a rejection of the Lord. But if they could have wisdom, they could see where they're going and wisdom sees and goes, ah, runs as fast as they can in the other direction towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch out for folly, loved ones. She's seductive, but she knows nothing. And notice in verses 14 to 16, 
Notice Folly's doing all she can to entice and invite victims of her foolishness. She sits at the door. She takes a seat in high places. She calls to those who pass by. Notice again, she calls out in the same way as wisdom, but she mimics and she's a counterfeit. So Folly makes promises, but can't keep them. She woos people, but then devours them. Folly, this is a good line here. Folly is a master of distraction and a guarantee of destruction. Say that again. Folly is a master of distraction and a guarantee of destruction. Loved ones, do not take her bait. Do not take her bait. Do not take it. Because notice in verse 17, here's her message. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. In verse 18, she's exposed, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests, her guests are in the depths of Sheol. See, when, when Folly says, come, come to my house, she's inviting you to death, but she won't tell you that. So here in verses 17 and 18, she's exposed. Folly is a sham. She's fraudulent. She's dishonest to the core. Those who approach Folly have great expectation, but in the end, they are confronted with suffering and death. This is why how often do I sit with, especially my boys, they're of age, and sit down with them, and as the messages of the world enter into our home, as the lies of advertising and marketing or systems of whatever, enter, pause, stop, time out, wait. Boys, did you just hear what that message was? Did you? Why is that message a total lie? Why is what you just heard, why is that completely and categorically untrue? Why is that utter foolishness? Boys, tell me, tell me. I want them to start to discern and see how wicked and foolish our world really is before they start buying into things that are absolutely getting our conscience. We start to believe they're true and the seductive message of foolishness starts to creep into their lives. You tell me, son, why that message right there is absolutely garbage. And then you have the wisdom to discern what does the Lord say about that? What is the truth of life? Where does happiness really come from? Where are we truly satisfied? What is the true root and joy of salvation? I mean, you can literally walk into a sandwich joint these days and they will tell you the sandwich itself is salvation. That is utterly preposterous, but this is what our world does. Promises you everything and delivers on nothing. Foolishness buys in, wisdom says, I'm out. Wisdom says, Jesus Christ is the one. And it is so fun and powerful and exciting when you can take the world for what it is and blow it to pieces and then open up your Bible and say, this is what sets me free. This is where I find life. This is what I know joy is. This is my savior, him who I love, and he is who I live for. That is so powerful. That is so exciting. And that's what God wants to do in us as we walk in the way of wisdom and reject the way of folly. God, help us to do that. Again, wisdom personifying the Lord. Foolishness and folly personified in foolish thought and behavior. For the Israelite to pick up Proverbs 9 and read it in Solomon's day, folly is represented both in small g gods, the idols. What did the idols always do? What did the idols always do with God's people? The idols, Solomon himself fell, fell victim to this in the heart of foreign women. It steals their hearts away from God. Idols take the love of God away from God's people and turn their affections now to empty idols of destruction. That's the danger of folly. So when you worship money, when we worship career, our cars, our comfort, when we worship another person, when we worship luxury, when we worship sex, we worship sports or fitness, when we worship our kids, we worship self, all of this ultimately is an appeal of folly to steal your heart away from the love of God. It's trying to steal your heart away from wisdom, to steal your heart away from life, and to move you closer and closer to death. 
And that is why there's such urgency today in this series and this message. That's why the call for wisdom is out. And wisdom says, hey, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling. Come eat at my house. Do not walk down folly. Do not, do not listen to her. Wisdom calls out to you, to you right now. And says, will you not choose wisdom in life as opposed to choosing folly and death? But in the end, love, when Proverbs 9 is right here, and Proverbs 9 says, there's wisdom and there's folly. In the end, listen, listen, this is point number three. The choice is yours. In the end, the choice is yours. And that's where we end today. I, I want you to turn to finish this series. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. Let's make sure everyone turns. Lots of peer pressure in the rows, okay? Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Turn there. And let's end this series with a bang here on wisdom versus foolishness. <laughs> Matthew seven, verse 24. Let's everyone get there. Now, one thing that I've been so amazed with is, I've never been more sensitive to this, is how much the Bible speaks on wisdom versus foolishness. It's not just Proverbs. It's all over the place, including right here. Now, this is Jesus ending the, ser- the greatest sermon ever given. He's ending the greatest sermon ever given. This is his conclusion. Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone, Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine. Now, these words of mine are the Sermon on the Mount, but it's also the words of God. It's the words of Christ. It's all his teachings. It's, his, it's, it's the Bible. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a wise man, circle, who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Awesome. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man, circle, who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Loved ones, the rains are coming. The floods are coming. The wind is blowing. They are, whether it's in death or whether it's before death, the rains are coming. The winds are blowing. The floods are coming. And what that means is those who live for Jesus Christ in his wisdom and stand on the rock, they will stand. They will not fall. But those who are apart from Jesus Christ, who live in foolishness, they're on sand. They will be wiped away. This is wisdom. This is Christ. This is living for him. It's the difference between standing and falling, lasting and disappearing. It's the difference between living and dying. At the end of the day, the storms of life will come and only those who stand on Jesus Christ, only those pursuing wisdom will remain and will last. The choice of wisdom versus folly. Listen, the choice is yours. I appeal to you today. There are people here today. You've never made a decision for Jesus Christ. You have never bowed your knee. You have never confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today could be your day. I implore you today, be reconciled to God. I implore you today to look at our world and to understand it is about one person, ultimately Jesus Christ. He lived for you. He died for you. He was raised from the dead for you. And what does he ask from you? Faith. He asks for you to believe. You can't earn your salvation. You can't do enough good deeds to find your way into heaven because God demands perfection. 
but Jesus Christ was perfect, and that's why his sacrifice was sufficient for all time. And if you simply receive the gift of grace from God through by believing, through faith in him, you will become a child of God. Lord, I give you my sin. Lord, I ask you to come reign in my life. Lord, you become Lord. You become Savior. Lord, you become all. Lord, I'm sick of foolishness. I believe it goes to death. I want life. I want wisdom. I want you, Jesus Christ. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my love. I give you my all. You pray that prayer today and that's real in your heart, you'll be saved. Never to die again. Who in here today needs to respond to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who needs to reject woman folly and embrace woman wisdom because you love the Lord and because you know he loves you. He calls out to you today. He calls your name. He reaches for your hand. He embraces you with a perfect heavenly embrace because he wants you to live and he wants you to love and he wants to pour his grace upon you. Who is here today? Who needs to make that decision for Jesus Christ? If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.